Psalm 146, which will be found on page 632. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. Do not put your trust in princes, in mortal men who cannot save. When their spirit departs, they return to the ground. On that very day, their plans come to nothing. Blessed is he whose help is in the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, the Lord who remains faithful forever. He upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the alien and sustains the fatherless and the widow. But he frustrates the ways of the wicked. The Lord reigns forever. Your God, O Zion, for all generations. Praise the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A prayer as we sit. May the words of my lips and the thoughts of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Well, today we came to come to the last psalm in our summer series on meeting God in the Psalms. It's uh, Psalm 146. I hope you've still got it open there, almost exactly in the middle of the Bible on page 632. And Psalm 146 begins like most of the last 40 or so Psalms in the book of Psalms do with these words, praise the Lord, hallelujah, as it says in the original Hebrew. That's one of the two Hebrew words I know, because that's what hallelujah means, praise the Lord. So have we praised the Lord this morning? Well, our first song was, Tell Out My Soul, The Greatness of the Lord. We often start our services with a song of praise because it reminds us why we're here and who we've come to worship, who we've come to learn more about, who we've come to ask for help in our lives. The essence of praise is focusing our attention on God and saying how great and wise, and loving, and, 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 and he is. Whether we sing, or speak, or just think those words. So have we praised the Lord this morning? Well, it really depends on what was going on in each of our hearts, and only God knows that for certain. But as we look at this psalm together, I hope we'll be reminded about, or discover more of what praise is why we should praise God, and how praise can change us. So why should we praise God? Well, you can take that question a number of ways. First of all, the nature of God, the character of God, means that praise is the only appropriate response for us human beings to make. He is worthy of our worship, as one song puts it. And that's true even before we begin to think of all that God has done for us 
all that God is doing for us and all that God promises to do for us in the future. We may still be asking ourselves, yes, but what's praise about? What's the point of worship? And it can help to put the question the other, another way. Who are we talking to or singing to when we praise God? And what difference does it make to them? Well, you may say that's obvious. We're talking to God himself. That's what Psalm 146 says. It says in in verse 2, I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. We praise God because he really is worth it. And we praise God because it pleases him. Not because he wants or needs our compliments, but because he loves us. And wants us to respond to him in love. God isn't unmoved by how we treat him. Some of the people around in the time of the New Testament thought that there were loads of gods and they really weren't bothered how the humans responded as long as they gave them sort of a certain amount of um, offerings and things from time to time. But they believed that if there was a God, they were too sort of great to be moved by anything that we human beings can do. And we may sometimes have that picture of God, that somehow God is a bit remote or God is so big, how can he possibly care what we think or say to him? But that's not the picture of God in the Bible. It's not the picture of God that Jesus gives us. God is moved by what we say and do and think. We can bring him grief as well as bringing him joy. We know that we read in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 30 when St. Paul is warning us about the danger that angry words can do and the unsuitability of unwholesome conversation. Paul writes these words, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. And on the other hand, Jesus taught that there is joy in heaven when we turn back to God, grief and joy. God has made us for relationship with each other and with himself. And amazingly, the creator of the universe cares about that relationship with each and every human being. And praise is one way that we come closer to him. But although verse 2, which I've just quoted, talks about praising God, it isn't actually addressed to God. In fact, the psalmist is talking to himself, as we can see if we go back to verse 1. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul. He's talking to his innermost self. I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. When we praise God, we can be talking to ourselves. We need to talk to ourselves sometimes. Some of us don't need any encouragement to talk to ourselves. We do it all the time. Looking round, I can see that's true of quite a few people here from there nodding. But we need to remind ourselves that the world does not revolve around us. For our own good, we need to praise God and see things in their true perspective. I think we've got a great Archbishop of Canterbury at the moment, Justin Welbay. And there was another, I'm not saying it's about the ones in between, but there was another very good one back in 1944 or so, Archbishop William Temple. And he put it like this, quite complicated in a way, but I think they're worth, his words worth thinking about. When we open our eyes as babies, 
We see the world stretching out around us. We're in the middle of it. All we see is determined by the relationship of all objects to ourselves. This will be true as long as we live. I am the center of the world I see. Where the horizon is depends on where I stand. The same is true of our mental and spiritual vision. Some things hurt us. We hope they will not happen again. We call them bad. Some things please us. We hope they will happen again. We call them good. Our standard of value is the way things affect ourselves. So each of us takes their place in the center of their own world. But I am not the center of the world, nor do I determine what is good or bad. I am not the center. God is. In other words, from the beginning, I have put myself in God's place. This is my original sin. And praising God is one way that we try to put God where he deserves to be, at the center of our lives and our thinking. But as well as telling himself to praise God, the writer also talks to other people in this psalm. It must be so in verse 3. It says, do not put your trust in princes, in mortal men who cannot save. Rather, he tells them in verse 5, Blessed is he whose hope is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God. And at the end of the psalm, he's still speaking to those worshipping with him, probably in the temple on Mount Zion, that sort of rock standing up high in that city of Jerusalem. Verse 10, the Lord reigns forever. Your God, O Zion, for all generations, praise the Lord. And today there's still that horizontal aspect of praise, our words spoken or sung to each other, as well as the vertical aspect of praise directed to God himself. And the two aspects of praise work together. We encourage each other to turn towards God, to remember his greatness and his goodness. Many of us find it hard to praise God on our own, but we can be caught up in the praises of others. And when we can't find the words we need ourselves, hymns, songs, imaginative prose can help us to express what we want to say deep down inside. And where words alone are inadequate, music and actions can help us to offer more of ourselves to God. And we're caught up in the experience of worship. A couple of weeks ago in the evening, I was at a church service in what I was told was an Anglican church in Birmingham. It was rather like the 5.30 service here, but even more so. The vicar wasn't wearing um, robes, oh my word, no, he wasn't wearing a suit, he wasn't wearing a tie, he was wearing sort of, I think it was, I couldn't tell whether it was jeans or what it was because I was so distracted by the extraordinarily um, eye-splitting Czech shirt that he was wearing. <laughs> And uh, um, the, the, the person who was speaking, who was, who was a little older than the vicar, looks dressed slightly more restrained, but sort of similarly. And uh, the, all sorts of things happened. We, they had uh, the sort of songs, and uh, there was this sort of band rather like ours, but I was rather pleased when a sort of trombone suddenly started to emerge and start playing into as well. I thought it was a bit more sort of um, inclusive of musical styles. 
And uh, they were slightly nonplussed when the person who was going to preach suddenly got up in the middle, walked across the side, picked up a long pole with a sort of um, gauzy sort of flag on it and waved it around, which I'm told does happen in even in church in Taunton, and sort of banners being waved around. I thought, well, fair enough, you know, if that helps him. Um, and uh, I was sitting there somewhat bemused um, by all that was um, going on. But what was great, though, was that I didn't feel, although people were standing up and holding up their hands in various ways, I noticed the giant starfish seems to be rather popular these days with both hands. Do you know what I mean? The sort of like that. And uh, the the great thing was that I didn't feel any pressure to do any of the... I didn't have to go and find a banner and wave it. I didn't feel I needed to lift up my hands or not lift up my hands. Some people were standing up, some people after about, you know, that we'd sung the words a few times, was sitting down. You know, it's a bit long, that sort of section of the service. That was fine as well. It was great. Everyone could join in or not join in or just listen as they, they felt comfortable with. I didn't feel that pressure you find in some places to do things in a particular way. Someone once said, pray as you can, not as you can't. In other words, don't try and imitate everyone else's way of praying. Just pray as you can, and God will lead us on to new ways of praying, perhaps. It's true of praise as well. Praise as you can, not as you can't. Anyway, however the lively the worship is, or however traditional it is, we just need to watch out in case the experience of worship becomes an end in itself. That can happen with the most modern worship, but it can happen with the most traditional worship. Someone I know who is very much involved in that said there's always that danger that that traditional worship just becomes a sort of end in itself doing those wonderful sort of chants or those wonderful old tunes and anthems, but it can be a completely world of its own that may not have anything to do with linking up to God. So we always have to be careful of that, that worship doesn't become an experience. We don't want our focus to drift away from the God we're worshipping just to the way we feel about it ourselves. The End of a service, some people, well, they ask all sorts of things, of course, but they might ask whether we'd enjoyed the worship. That's probably not quite the right question. A better question is whether God enjoyed our worship and whether it brought us close to him. And that's not always easy to tell. Whether our praise is addressed directly to God or whether we're in part talking to ourselves and singing to those around us. What does this psalm tell us about what's involved in praising God? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. The starting point of all praise is saying God's name. That Yah at the end of Hallelujah is part of God's special name, Yahweh, meaning something like I am who I am. I will be what I will be. The special name for God revealed to Moses at the burning bush. If you look carefully, if you've got the the Pew Bibles there, you'll notice that Lord in praise the Lord, and in those first two verses, spelt sort of all in capitals. And whenever you see the name Lord spelt all in capitals in the Bible, you know it means that special name for God. And when we praise Jesus, that name means Saviour or God saves. If we add the title Christ, Jesus Christ, it's the Greek version of the Hebrew title Messiah then we're recognising Jesus as God's anointed one or king who fulfils all the Old Testament prophecies. When we praise the Holy Spirit, we recognise him as the breath of God, holy in himself, 
who comes to make us holy, that is, set apart to be like Jesus. Whichever member of God the Trinity we praise, we recognise him as the one true God. We turn towards God and encourage each other to turn upwards towards him. We turn away from our preoccupation with ourselves and our obsession with the immediate and the material and the limitations of our human perspective. Going beyond saying God's name, we praise him as we describe his character. For example, the psalmist reminds others and uh, himself to praise God because God is completely trustworthy. There in verse 3, do not put your trust in princes, in mortal men who cannot save. When their spirit departs, they return to the ground. On that very day, their plans come to nothing. I just wonder when I hear those words whether something had happened to the psalmist that made him feel let down or ignored by someone who had power or authority to change things but just seemed to forget him. Perhaps his bribe wasn't big enough. It's the sort of thing that um, Sam was talking about at the beginning of the service, when we feel sort of broken inside. Sometimes it's something we've done. Sometimes, though, it can be when other people who we thought we could trust have let us down. Well, the psalmist says, no, we can't, in the end, put our complete trust in human beings. We have to trust in God's faithfulness, the power of the Creator to take care of his people who he's promised himself to. As we see in verse 5, Blessed are those whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God. He is the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, the Lord who remains faithful forever. We praise God not only when we describe his character in general terms, but when we remember, when we take time to remember what he's done for us. There was an old Sunday school hymn which There might be two or three people in church this morning that used to sing. Uh, Please join in the words. I don't don't try and sing it, but uh, well, do if you want to. I mean, just count your blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. When we remember what God has done, not only for ourselves, but for other people, in other places, in other generations, then we develop a bigger picture of God and increase our expectation of what he can do. The particular focus of the psalmist's praise here is of God as the great protector from verse 7 onwards. He upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the alien and sustains the fatherless and the widow, but he frustrates the ways of the wicked. God has a special care for those who are in need and unable to help themselves, those who are oppressed by other people or by their circumstances. He starts with the hungry. The hungry had few places to turn in Old Testament times. And that situation of being hungry is just as desperate in many parts of our world today. Even in Britain with our benefit system, there's still a need for food banks. There's a collection box for one of them just in the porch outside because God has prompted Christians to be in the forefront of operating those food banks. Then we have prisoners. Prisoners, when the this person wrote the psalm, were not so often criminals, more often slaves captured in border raids or 
those held hostage until their debts were paid. Today, people can also be prisoners of addiction or trapped in abusive relationships. There are Christian agencies as well as others working with great love and patience to help them. Then we have the Lord gives sight to the blind. In ancient Israel, a blind person could only beg for a living if their family wasn't able to support them. But we might, as Jesus did, when he healed a blind person, see a parallel in spiritual blindness and share God's concern to bring spiritual light into dark lives. Then we read, the Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. Well, that covers so many people's condition then and now, even if we do try to say, I'm fine, when people ask us. Well, God wants us to remove God wants to remove those burdens. Then it says, the Lord loves the righteous. I think here it doesn't mean those who are righteous by God's standards, but those who are generally fair in their dealings with other people and who defend other people's rights as much as their own. The Lord watches over the alien or foreigner. Well, that's just as relevant today. I think of Jenny Green, our CMS mission partner in Bradford, acting as an advocate with local authorities and others for those whose English is limited, going along with them to help them to give, have confidence to fill in the forms and talk to the people, helping them to put their case and being someone who, in a sense, with some standing in the community that other people will listen to and gain a listening for those she's helping. Then the fatherless and the widow, who may be much better provided for materially these days, but needing understanding and emotional support as well. The last example the psalmist gives of God as the great protector is that he frustrates the ways of the wicked. And we need to look out for those who try to exploit the weakness of others. Can be something as practical as what 12 to 2 are doing, inviting the police community support officer to come and talk to that group of uh, retired people. He'll probably talk about things like making houses secure and dealing with bogus phone calls. That's what the psalmist said about God's love for those who couldn't help themselves. And in Luke chapter 4, we can read how Jesus has the same priorities. In his, one of the first times he spoke in public in a synagogue in Nazareth, he quoted words from the prophet Isaiah and he said he'd come and was fulfilling them. These were the words he quoted, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. We praise God not only for his direct protection, but for inspiring others to look after the vulnerable in his name. But praise shouldn't end with our words and our songs. I mean, how can we truly praise the name and character of God unless we want to become more like him and act more like him ourselves? How can we praise God as protector of the powerless unless we're prepared to act in his name to help those who cannot do that for themselves? Praise should challenge us and praise should change us. So let's ask ourselves where we may come across any of the people mentioned in today's psalm, but always remembering they're people whom God loves, people whom God loves, not just problems to solve or needs to be met. 
We might be able to support local Christian initiatives supporting the hungry and homeless, such as the food bank with the box by the door, open door for the homeless, Beeson. In this church, the Hive, and of course the Angersley pop-up cafe open this week. Any from, one from Angersley here? Well, it's still true, it's still open this week. It's in the notice sheet. 12 to 2, Coffee Connect. They all provide a meeting place for those who may be lonely. We can't join in everything. We can't contribute financially to everything. We can support those who are involved by praying for them, listening to what they're doing so that they feel that others in the church are with them. At some time or other, we can probably all be those through whom the Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. As long as we're looking out for them, all we need to start with is a pair of ears. Yes, I think we've most got that. Or perhaps a phone. Perhaps even over coffee, tea in the centre afterwards, we can just get past that I'm fine and see whether somebody needs encouragement. Or if we need encouragement, let's pray someone will let us open up to them as well. There aren't so many aliens or foreigners in Taunton, but there are people who feel left out or misunderstood in other ways. You just never know when you may be just in the right place or when your particular gifts or knowledge may be just what someone needs as long as we haven't walked by them without noticing them. That time when I was in Birmingham a couple of weeks ago, I was not surprisingly travelling around Birmingham by train, as I often do. Well, not Birmingham, but travelling around places by train. And I just got off a train um, to look at the old historic jewellery quarter of Birmingham and I noticed um, a couple of boys ran down the steps, got on the train, and behind them was their, must have been their, their parents, one of whom had a, was fairly sort of bearded and the other lady had a headscarf. So they looked, there must be a, a Muslim couple. Um, but these, these boys ran ahead while they were busy with the, um, the uh, chair, got on the train and the doors closed. The mother ran to the train, banged on the windows, but it was no use. The train went off and she slumped down on the platform and started to, to cry. Um, I'm not very good in that sort of situation. <laughs> so I didn't try and do the sympathetic bit. I did the firm bit instead. So I said to her, you know, um, how old are your boys? Oh, 12 and 9. She could speak English, and it turned out later she could speak quite well, but she was so upset that her English was coming across more broken. I said, well, that's good age, because they're um, old enough to be a bit sensible and uh, young enough, perhaps, to do what they're told. I didn't put the paps in. Um, and then I said, well, you know, um, had they got a phone, seeing she was clutching one? Yes. I said, well, phone them up, tell them to get off at the next station. There'll be another train in 10 minutes. We'll be there to meet them. Tell them to get off. When they get off the train, stand still on the platform exactly where they get off and wait. Yes. So she did that in what sounded like um, Arabic. Meanwhile, her husband, who someone had... Um, well, he obviously hadn't been in the country for very long because they went off to look for someone on the railway station who might be able to help. You're never anyone um, except at really big stations. There aren't any staff just around these days, not even in the, in the ticket office. Um, so uh, he came back. No, they hadn't been able to find one. So anyway, ten minutes later, yes, another train arrived. We got on the train got to Birmingham Snow Hill Station, doors opened, there were the two sons standing bang in front of where we were getting off and they dissolved in each other's arms. Um, the others of us just sort of shook hands and uh, went our various ways. <laughs> but it just struck me, you know, knowing the frequency of trains in Birmingham and that sort of thing isn't usually terribly helpful, but sometimes you never know when the thing you particularly know, which others may tease you about sometimes, may be particularly helpful to someone who's in particular need. As long as we're just looking out um, for those people. So I wonder, 
Who may cross our paths? Who may God bring across our paths in the coming week? Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. But let's not only sing praise, but let God's praise bubble away in our hearts so that we're ready for his spirit to make us his agents in the world, especially on behalf of those who are struggling in body, mind or spirit. A moment of quiet and then I'll say a prayer. Lord, help us to praise you not only with our lips, but in our lives by acting justly, loving mercy, and walking humbly before you all our days. Amen.